Okay, good work. This is the Chumash of Sunday of Parshas Akev. And uh, we will do this for 15 minutes. So, the Pasuk begins, and it will be because of your listening to all of these commandments and keeping them, then God will safe, safeguard you for all the kindness that he swore to your forefathers. So Rashi says on the words, and it will be because of your listening, the word the Chumash uses for because is not the normal word key, but a word ekev. So Rashi on this explains there's another meaning of ekev, which is the heel. So if the light command is that a person tramples with his heel, he doesn't mean he doesn't say very seriously, if you listen to those, then all these blessings are going to happen. And God, as the verse says, and God will safeguard you for the covenant. And Rashi explains that to me, he's going to keep his promise to you. The next Pasuk verse, he will, these are all the blessings again. If you are listening even to all these like commandments that people don't take too seriously, God's going to give you all these blessings. So now we're listening to the blessings. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruits of your womb, the fruits of your land, your grain, your wine, your oil, the offerings of your cattle, the herds of your flock, on the land that he swore to his forefathers, to your forefathers, to give to you. So Rashi explains, in the Hebrew, it says, Shigar alafecha, which is a very, like, both words are in common, Shigar and alafecha. What do they mean? So Rashi explains, Shigar comes from the word to send forth, because the female sends forth the child. So based on Shigar, we understand Shigar alafecha to mean the offsprings of your cattle. And then we have another unusual term, the ashtaros tsonecha. So we know tsonecha means your flock. But what's ashtaros mean? So Rashi gives you three explanations. First, he explains that according to one person, Menachem, that it means the strong ones, the best of the flock. Then he explains according to Unkelis, which means the herds of your flock. But in either case, you could say, so why does the Chumash use such an unusual word? So then he adds what our rabbis say, that astros is from the root to make rich because this type of cattle enriches the owners. The next verse, you'll be the most blessed of all the people. There will be no infertile males or infertile females among you or among your animals. And Rashi explains the word akar. What does this mean? It means someone that can't father a child. Continuing the blessings, God will remove from you every illness, all of the sicknesses of Egypt that you knew he won't put on you. He'll put them on your enemies. You will devour all the people that God delivers to you. Your eyes should not have pity on them. You should not worship their gods, for it's a snare to you. Now, continuing the next verse, up to 17, perhaps you will say in your heart, these nations are more numerous than I. How will I be able to drive them out? And verse 18 says, God's response do not fear them. You should remember what God did to power in all of Egypt. So on these words of the verses 17 and 18, Rashi says that here, again, in the Hebrew, it says, Ki somar bilvavcha. Ki has four meanings. Normally we think of it as because. But Rashi says here it means perhaps, because because doesn't make any sense in the context. Perhaps you will say in your heart, because they're so numerous, I won't be able to drive them out. And the response is, don't fear them. 
Because if that is the response, the only meaning that makes sense here is the perhaps. Now, the next verse says, so what do you have to remember? So there's a lot of amazing things God did for the Jews in Egypt that was about 40 years before, but remember what happened. The great test that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the strong hand, and the outstretched arm with which God took you out. So shall God do to all the people before whom you fear. So now Rashi has to explain. There's a lot of phrases here that seem sort of redundant, or what does each one refer to? So the, the masos means the test. In other words, any time that God was, like, so to speak, challenged, like Moshe challenged Paro, take a time when the plague of flogs will be removed. Like, let's see if God can do that exactly the time you said. That's a test. And then there's signs. I also said the signs. Signs means whenever there were miracles done to demonstrate that Moshe truly was God's messenger. So this isn't responding to a challenge. This is like, for example... The signs he did, they took the staff and made it a snake, or he poured the water on the, on the ground and it became blood. This is to prove that Moshe is representing God here. The wonders are the plagues, because the plagues were wondrous. The strong arm is the pestilence, the devil, what struck the animals, that the animals died, because there's a verse that connects the hand of God to the afflicting the animals. And the outstretched arm is the sword of the killing of the firstborn because also there's a verse that connects the sword outstretched over. Now, there were ten plagues. Why did Rashi say that this strong hand is a pestilence and the outstretched arm is the plague of the firstborn? Because of the other eight, even though they were very uh, annoying to the Egyptians, they definitely harmed them, but they didn't literally take life. But the pestilence, the devil, took the lives of the animals, and the plague of the firstborn took the life of the people. So that's why these are the two we're mentioning here. The next verse, not only, this is all the past, talking about when they come into Israel, the tzirah God will send among them until they all perish before you. So the tzirah, Rashi explains, is a type of flying insect that would shoot like a type of poison at them to blind them, make them impotent, wherever they're hiding. So this will be your protection, just as God protected you in Egypt. He's going to protect you when you go to Israel. And the verse continues, 21, don't break down before them because God is in your midst. A great, awesome God. And the next verse, 22, God will thrust these nations from you little by little. You won't annihilate them quickly so the animals don't increase before you. Meaning, what the verse is saying is, if the land of Israel suddenly becomes depopulated of all of the nations, it's going to be this, like, wild land, and the animals will take over. So bit by bit, you'll chase out the people, so the numbers will always say proportionate, so the animals won't take over. So in this, Rashi questions, but why, why, does, why, does, why does God have to do this? We know that if we listen to God, we don't have to fear the animals. But God knew they were going to sin. So since they were going to sin, the animals would be a problem. So therefore, we're not going to depopulate the land, so we don't have to deal with that issue. The next verse, 23, God will deliver them before you, meaning all the nations. You'll confound them with a great confusion until their destruction. So on this word, confound them, it's the vowels are unusual. It's the ha which is like ha-mum, kamas, kamas. 
And a regular verb isn't like that. A regular verb is kamat patach, like pa'al, hamam. So why is it here hamam? So Rashi explains because the root word is actually not hamam, even though we think of a root word as three letters, and that's three letters. But that's not the root word. The root word is just the first two letters, hey mem. The final mem is grammatical, like the hum osam. He will confound them, and that's why it becomes this double kamas kamas, hamum. The next, now we have a bunch of verses without Rashi, just finishing off this chapter. He'll deliver the kings into your hand. He shall cause their name to perish from under the heavens. No man will stand up against you until you have destroyed them. The carved images of their gods you shall burn in fire. Don't covet and take for yourself the silver and gold that's on them. You shouldn't be ensnared by it. It's, a, it's an abomination for God. Don't bring such an abomination to your home because then you're going to become abominable just like it. You should loathe it. You should abominate it because it is banned. It is idolatry. So now we're starting. This is still all part of Sunday's portion, chapter 8. So now we're up to verse 1 of chapter 8. All the commandments that I command you today you should observe to perform. So you should live and increase and come and take possession of the land that God swore to your forefathers. So Rashi says, what does it mean, all the commandments? So Rashi says there's two ways of understanding this. The simple meaning means the Torah. According to other commentators on Rashi, the simple meaning means all the mitzvahs, all the commandments. So either according to some commentators it means the Torah, or according to others it means all the mitzvahs, all the commandments. But then Rashi gives a midrash. And Rashi says all the commandments means if you begin to fulfill a commandment, complete it. Because we see that if you begin it but don't complete it, it's not completely attributed to you. And then Rashi brings here a pretty long example that it says that the Jewish people brought Yosef, brought Joseph up from Egypt and buried him in Shechem. So we know that's not what happened. I mean, it's a whole long midrash how Moshe personally was the only one involved in taking the bones of Yosef out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. But he never obviously brought them to Israel because he himself never went to Israel. So since the Jewish people were the ones that finished off this commandment, finished off this good deed by literally burying those bones in Shechem, so even though Moshe began the job and did, like in a sense, the most harder part of it, it's not accredited to him because he didn't finish it. So therefore, Rashi is saying that all the commandments means do a commandment from beginning to end. Because if you don't do it till the end, it's in a sense not credited to you for doing it. The next verse. Remember the entire road on which God led you the 40 years in the wilderness to afflict you, to test you, to know what's in your heart, whether you observe his commandments or not. So what, what does this mean? What, what was happening here? So Rashi explains, it's saying that you shouldn't test him and question his ways. Meaning sometimes things happen like, um, you know, different things happen What we could, it's not, we could wonder what God's doing, so this means specifically not to wonder, not to question, not to question the justice of God's ways. Next verse. He afflicted you and let you hunger. Then he fed you the man that you didn't know and your fathers didn't know. So you should know, this is a very famous verse, 
that not by bread alone does man live, but everything that emanates from the mouth of God does man live. So this is, Rashi doesn't comment on this, but it's a very famous verse to know that the whole reason the Jews were fed the man for 40 years, the man was a godly food, it was a godly experience. There were numerous miracles connected to the man, and it was really feeding them faith in God, because every night they went to bed and they didn't have any food left. That was part of the commandments of the man. You weren't allowed to save any for the next day. No putting aside for a rainy day here. And every day they had to trust God that there would be again food tomorrow, as there was for 40 years. So this was teaching us and inculcating in us that we're not living by bread. We're living by the mouth of God. The next verse, your garments didn't wear out on you. Your feet did not swell for all these 40 years. So Rashi explains that it says your garments didn't wear out because the clouds of glory, the clouds that surrounded the Jews in the desert, cleaned the clothes and ironed them. Amazing. What about the young children? It says, when they, as they grew, their clothing grew with them. Sounds pretty good. And their feet did not swell. So Rashi explains, because a lot of times people who go barefoot, their feet swell. Um, now, why didn't their feet swell? So it says they didn't go barefoot. They even Again, even though they're wearing the same shoes for 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. It was part of the same miracle. Now, Batseka is swell, so Rashi said Batseka literally comes from the word dough. So Rashi explains the etymology here that it's coming from the word dough to swell because dough swells up. But their feet did not swell like dough, and they were not going barefoot. Okay, and now here we have a number of verses that are, do not have Rashi. You should know in your heart that just as a father will rebuke his son, so God rebukes you or afflicts you. You should observe the commandments of God to go in his ways and fear him. Fear God is bringing you to a good land, a land with streams of water, of springs, of underground water coming forth in valleys and mountains. A land, now here we have what we call the Shiva Saminim, the seven special foods, fruits, produce of the land of Israel. A land of wheat, barley, grape, fig, pomegranates. A land of oil, of olives, and honey. So these are the seven special fruits of Israel. So Rashi explains what does it mean, oil of olives. It means olives, special olives that are producing oil. And the honey, the Russian comment here explains in other places, really means dates that produce this honey. And then just continuing these beautiful verses, a land where you will eat bread without poverty, you lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and from whose mountains you'll mine copper, you will eat, and you'll be satisfied, and you'll bless God for the good land that he gave you. This verse is also very um, famous. It's the foundation for the commandment to bless God after we eat. In other words, the blessings we make before we eat are rabbinic in nature. But the essence blessing of blessing God after we eat is biblical from this verse. You will eat, you will be satisfied, and you will bless God. And that is the Chumash portion for Sunday.